today, you know, I want to talk about the subject church strong, okay, church strong. Now, you probably have heard the term Boston strong, which came about as a result of the terrorist attack that hit the city of Boston during the Boston Marathon. Well, the church is also under an attack far worse than any terror attack in the sense that this pandemic has really impacted the church, not just locally, but also also globally. And although some churches are making it through the best way that they can, okay, but some are also struggling even to the point of closure. Uh, Which is why I entitled this sermon, We Are the Church Strong, because in the midst of any crisis, any trial, okay, keep in mind that no tribulation or gate from hell can prevent, can prevail itself against the church. If you believe that, give me a loud amen this morning or afternoon, okay? All right, nothing can prevail against the church, and we have to be reminded of that, you know, consistently. The Bible has always forewarned us of trials, so the question is not why we were not prepared for something like this, because I can assure you nobody was. The question becomes, how does the church navigate in the midst of this pandemic trial? That's really what we need to put our focus on, because the pandemic may have caught the church by surprise, but I could assure you that it did not catch God by surprise. Because God is all-knowing, he knows what's coming, he knows what's going, and that's why we need to go to him as our great resource. I want to go to the word of God at first, in First of Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I want you to join me online with your Bibles, First of Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And here's what it says. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It says, so be truly glad that there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials. He didn't say a specific trial, but he said many trials. And how many of you know that trials can come in all forms, okay? So he says, even though you must endure in many trials for a little while, these trials, now watch this because here's the purpose. Are you ready? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Man, is that a word or, 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 or a statement for today? Think about how many people, how many believers' faith right now is being tested by this pandemic that we're going through. Let me keep reading. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because something just kind of hit me just now. Isn't it interesting that the purpose of any trial, okay, as it relates to the believer, okay, is to strengthen our faith, but yet we're seeing the faith of many wavering. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Okay, because genuine faith, which is a faith built by the word of God results in strong faith, which is a faith that will endure and a strong faith collectively results in a, tr- in a strong church. That is just a fact. And here are some things that can assist with maintaining a church strong. And this is what we have to demonstrate to the world, that we are a church strong. Let me give you a few pointers. Number one, we need to be church strong by being reminded of the omnipotent power of God. How many people still believe that today? 
How many believe in God's power? You guys that are online, how many of you guys believe in God's power? Okay, we need to be church strong by being reminded of the omnipotent power of God. Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Simple statement, but yet a powerful statement. For nothing will be impossible with God. Psalm 147.5 says, great is our Lord and abundant in what? He's abundant in power, okay? His understanding is beyond measure. So if we're dealing with something that looks like it's bringing confusion, then we need to go to the author of understanding, which is God. The church needs to be reminded that we serve an omnipotent God. An all-power God. If we serve the God, check this out now. If we serve the God, okay, that created the heaven and the earth, each microcosmic element of it, wouldn't you think that he knows what the chemistry makeup of this coronavirus is, as well as to bring about not just a vaccine, but also a cure for it? How many believe that today? I do. I certainly do. That's the God that I surrendered my life to 49 years ago. Okay, and he's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change. So because he does not change, then our faith should not waver even in the midst of this trial. Okay? And if we serve, check this one out, the Jesus that hold the whim or told the wind and the storm to be still, wouldn't you think that he can also stop the storm being caused by this pandemic? Because regardless of what the world might think, let me remind them that Jesus is still in control. <laughs> and perhaps the church needs to be reminded of that as well. Psalm 107, 29 says, be still the storm to, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. And it's time for the church to call on Christ to turn this pandemic into a whisper. How many know that God can turn this pandemic into a whisper? Sure he can. The church needs to start acting like it. If there's ever a time when the church has to demonstrate its power and its boldness in the Lord, it has to be now. Somebody say church strong. Hallelujah. It's now. Okay. Number two, we need to be church strong by remaining immovable in our faith. We need to be immovable in our faith. Now, I got to tell you, you know, I talk a lot about this stuff, okay, about being bold, especially during this time. But it's not because I'm endowed with anything special. It's because this is the Christ that I surrendered to 49 years ago. A Christ of power. One who heals, who saves, who restores. Okay. One who can even calm the storm. This is the Jesus that I've known and he has not changed. Okay. That's why our faith has to be immovable. Matthew 16, 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, can I ask you something? If the gates of hell can't prevail against it, coronavirus shouldn't either. Can I hear an amen out there? Y'all in online land, go ahead, shout it even in your houses. Okay? Remember, the old has passed. And here's one thing that all of us as believers need to understand. Notice how Jesus said, you are Peter. That's a new name. Okay, we're no longer called sinners, but the just, we're saved, we're the righteous, we're saints, we're no longer of this world. And that's why we can't act like the world, we can't flow like the world, we can't believe how the world believes. Because how many know that if you keep watching the news, your faith will probably waver, okay? There's a lot of doubt being projected through the media. But we got the greatest media of them all, 
It's called the Word of God. Amen. And this is where we can get quite a bit of answers if we just start tuning into it a little more. But remember, the old has passed. We are now the new. And the question is, can you identify with the new? See? Can you identify with the new? Can you identify who you are in Christ? Because if you can identify who you are in Christ, then your faith should not waver. It should remain the same from the moment that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. I like that word, the rock. Okay? Now, I know that when I say the rock, I probably know what's coming to your mind. Probably not Jesus, but the wrestler, right? Okay? But let me just tell you what this means. When I think of the rock, I think of something with an immovable foundation. Something with an immovable foundation. Psalm 62.6 says, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. How many believe that today? I shall not be shaken. So the question that you have to ask yourself, is Jesus your rock? Or is he somebody that you just call upon every once in a while when things are going bad? Or you call on him when things are going good by just thanking him. But I'm here to tell you that he's still in the same place. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, remember you were indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is still there. He has not moved. And if the church is going to build, be built on something, it has to be built on an immovable, everlasting truth. That's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's something that should lead us, that should guide us, that should give us assurance. I mean, think about it. You know, we said before, hell will not prevail against it. So if the church has the right foundation, it will not allow anything to rattle it, rattle it, especially with fear, which is something that we're seeing so much of. Believers, you know, demonstrating so much fear, so much doubt, so much even unbelief, and you have to ask yourself why. I, I have to believe that the reason why a lot of them are exercising fear and doubt is because they forget what the word of God has to say. Or perhaps they have to re-renew their minds with it. Because Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Come on, folks. That's the word of God. He's not going to abandon us. He just said he'll strengthen us. He just says he'll help us. He just says that he can hold us up with his righteous hand. The question is, are you calling on God or are you calling on fear? That's the choice that we have to make. Call on God or surrender to fear. Somebody say, church strong. Hallelujah. Number three, we need to be church strong with the great commission empowerment. And I especially want to focus on that word empowerment. Can I tell you something? How many of you know that God's agenda has not changed? Okay, no trial, no tribulation, no pandemic, no coronavirus, okay, no racial tension. Listen to me now. It's going to change God's original plan for this earth, which is called the Great Commission. And we need to remind ourselves of the empowerment of that Great Commission. Look what it says in Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 16. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven. As they were eating, now watch what Jesus does. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. Hello, somebody. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. I wonder what Jesus would say if he were to show up today. 
if he were to look for his church, can you imagine he comes to the church and he finds them empty? Yet, with 11, Jesus, okay, now I want you to kind of picture that scenario. These guys are chowing down, all right, and they're all happy. They're eating. They know Jesus is there. And all of a sudden, Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. I just wonder if Jesus would probably rebuke some in the body of Christ for their lack of faith. Matter of fact, he goes on to say uh, that he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said unto them, okay, now watch this. I love this because in spite of a little fear, listen, watch this, in spite of a little unbelief, Okay, in spite of even maybe a little tension, look what Jesus says. After he rebukes them for their unbelief, for their lack of faith, he said, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be what? Condemned. Isn't it interesting that in the midst of Jesus rebuking them for their lack of faith, he says, we still got work to do. We still got work to do. There's a world out there. That is certainly demonstrating how lost they actually are. But you and me hold the light. Do you believe that today? We hold the light. We hold the answer. And we can't let the circumstance hinder the mission that we have. And as we read this particular version of the Great Commission, okay, there's a few hidden gems that uh, we tend to overlook, right? Jesus took issue with anyone. Now, now you got to see, sometimes... There's some things that we love when Jesus says, but then there's some things that when Jesus said them, we kind of want to overlook it, right? Because we see here clearly, clearly, that Jesus took issue with anyone who did not believe. Took an issue with it. He rebuked them. That's what he said. For their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Unbelief in Christ is something that will not be tolerated. That is why in verse 16... He makes a very strong statement. He says, Jesus says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, I know that's pretty strong, but I have to believe that today, how many know that we need a strong word from the Lord? We need a word that's going to inspire us, encourage us, remind us of who we are. So while Jesus, watch this now, even though he's rebuking the disciples for their unbelief, and maybe many in the body of Christ need to be somewhat rebuked, but he's also reminding us that he has still empowered us. That we still have the Holy Spirit. That we still have the word of God. And he's trying to lift us up today. We need to get back to the basic spiritual fact. That we have a world that is getting even more lost. And a church that has seemingly forgot its mission during this pandemic. Don't, Don't expect God to deal with the world until he first gets his church back on track. And I really believe this is what he's trying to do in these last two or three weeks and maybe weeks to come. He wants to get the church back on track. Because can I tell you something? The only thing I see that the enemy has been able to achieve was get the church off its great commission and great command agenda. But how many know that's only temporary? Okay? It's only temporary. Because I really believe God is going to bring it all back. And folks, I don't know about you, but I have to believe that there's going to be a revival. Do you believe that with me? I have to believe that there's going to be a move of God. You know, when you look, up, when you look at what's happening out in the world, it almost, look, it almost looks pre-tribulation, doesn't it? When you think of everything that's going on. Now listen, that doesn't scare me. That doesn't alarm me. If anything, it charges me up to make sure that I'm fulfilling the great commission and the great command. 
there's there are plenty of people out there that need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Ask yourself this weekend, what is going to be different? Am I just going to wait for things to blow over? Or am I going to make my mark in being a light in the darkness? Remember also that he did not leave us alone. My goodness, believers, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of what? The earth. How many believe in that power today? That power didn't diffuse itself. It wasn't like all of a sudden coronavirus came and it pulled the plug on the Holy Spirit. No. He's still with us. And we need to exercise it. We need to believe that we still have a mission to do. I mean, think about it, okay? Did the pandemic shut down the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. I don't think so. It's time that we put this empowerment to work. Somebody say, church strong. We got the power in the Holy Spirit. We have the word. We need, point number four, we need to be church strong by being aware of the times that we are living in. Now, let me just make a note here about something. The world is not going to understand the times that we're living in. They won't. They think it's business as usual except for the fact that they just are going a little crazy. But you and me need to know the times that we are living in. So let me remind you, 2nd of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But Mark said, this will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. My goodness, does that sound familiar? Okay. Without love, unforgiven, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Watch this. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have, it, have nothing to do with such people. This is called confusion. Okay? And this is something that we're seeing quite a bit in the world today and to a certain extent even in the church. It's a clear picture of what we're seeing in the world. We may be witnessing a pre-rapture earth before our eyes, and the church, generally speaking, seems to be sleeping. We need to wake up. We need to realize. I mean, verse 2 says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, all these things, okay? It's funny because the world, watch this now, wants to impose its own morality on itself, but without repentance. So when you see the chaos... In the world that you see today, they think they're doing a good thing, okay? They think they're doing something moral. Funny how the world has morality, very confused. Problem is, they want to do it without repentance. That's the problem. And we see that with all the secular movements that have evolved as of late, you know, and imposing their version of justice and morality, but they want it to be their law, but not God's law. And they want it to be about them. That is why you get chaos in our society. What is more troubling to me is to see that the church is sleeping and the church is ignoring some of these signs. Churches that are, you know, perhaps joining movements instead of intensifying its evangelistic efforts to help people have a change of heart, not fueling the secular mind. Okay? I mean, think about it. They say that the millennial Christian community is more interested in causes. I often wonder if they feel the need to get behind a cause just to justify that they're doing something good. But the greatest good work that they and anybody else can do, for that matter, is to claim Christ, okay, and go into full evangelistic mode, okay, 
fulfilling the call because I got news for you, okay? There's a lot of folks right now that are passing away as a result of coronavirus. Now, I want you to think about what I'm about to say right now. I want you to think about this. It's interesting to me that we have so many people dying. The latest count, by the way, is past, it's gone past 150,000. So just watch this, okay? It's interesting to me that we have so many people dying of COVID-19, but yet not enough people dying to get salvation message to them before it's too late. So think about how many people has passed away. Think about how many people right now are affected with coronavirus. But yet, where is the rush to make sure they at least know who Jesus Christ is and have an encounter with him? And I pray that the body of Christ will be sensitive to this. Absolutely. We need to be sensitive to this. You know, even as we take our precautions and do everything that is within our reach, okay, to be safe. But let's understand that this is a mission of life and death. It is a mission of life and death. And that's why I go back to my original point that in spite of the circumstance and how this is changing our environment and maybe our priorities, but the priority of the gospel still needs to be preached to all those, especially those that might be susceptible or vulnerable to this illness. Okay? The unbeliever needs to recognize that they are sinners and that they can only be saved by grace. And the first step to becoming a disciple is to repent of who you are in order for you to be what he wants you to be and not exclusively what you want to be. The Bible said, even Jesus said, nobody is good until they are made good, which the Bible calls righteous by the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross to bring us into a true relationship with God. And I really believe this is what we need today. We need more believers to renew their minds. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let me give you a little gem here that I think many overlook. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Folks, we're not talking about your will. We're talking about his will. Are you hearing me? I think sometimes when we read that scripture, we think, oh, okay, it's about God's will for my life. No, it's for God's will to fulfill his purpose through your life. See? So it's his will that we're talking about, not yours. Somebody say, church strong. Our last point. We must be a church that is 100% committed, okay? We must be a church that is 100% committed, not partially, okay, but 100% committed. Now, you ask yourself, what does this look like? What does commitment look like? Well, let me give you a little dramatization here, okay? I especially like this story. In Luke chapter 14, let me paint the scenario for you, all right? Jesus is getting popular. I mean, real popular. I mean, he is healing the sick, He is raising the dead. He is rebuking the demons. Now, how many know that with a show like that, you're going to attract a lot of crowd? You're going to attract a lot of people. So everywhere he goes, you know, folks are following him. And the crowd is getting bigger because they like what they see. They want to follow this man. Look what he's doing. He's a great man, great leader. He's powerful. Now, I want you for a moment, just, just humor me, okay? Let's say you're on the front line of this crowd, okay? Now, he's got probably thousands of people following him, and you're on the front line of that crowd, right? 
and all of a sudden, Jesus knows he's got this crowd behind him. They're following him. And then out of nowhere, look at the stunt that Jesus pulls. Okay? Here it comes. Luke chapter 14, verse 24. You got to love it. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Okay, I already explained why. And then turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, see, I like to visualize these things. So I'm like, yeah, Jesus, come on. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. And all of a sudden, he, he pulls one of these, like he's like, right? And he hits them with this. What do you think their reaction was? Right? And then verse 33 gets even stronger. He says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. I have to believe that crowd got a little smaller. Can I hear any men out there? Okay? Jesus is not impressed with crowds because anybody can draw a crowd. Right? J-Lo, Mark Anthony. Of course, got to throw Mark Anthony in there. I'm Puerto Rican. Okay? Anybody can draw a crowd. You know, a great gift can draw a crowd. Okay? But Jesus is not looking for a crowd. He is looking for commitment. And this is why, you know, there's been studies now about how one-third of Christians are choosing not to return to church. You have to ask yourself why. I'll tell you why. I think commitment may have a lot to do with that. So the question to all of us today is, are you a follower of him or are you just an acquaintance? Are you a follower or are you just an acquaintance? Do you have a relationship with God or just religion? Because you can be a Protestant, which is all those that are non-Catholics, and still be religious. You know, religion, you know, all, all religion does is that it makes someone feel good for a moment. Can anybody picture something that makes you feel good for a moment? I can think of just one thing. A Krispy Kreme donut. Or, in the Northeast case, Dunkin' Donuts, right? You know... When you have a craving for a donut, now I know that when I finish here, you're probably going to run to Dunkin' Donuts and grab and buy a glazed donut, right? You know, it's like at that moment, you know, you're eating it, man, and it tastes good. Especially when that sugar is melting all over your mouth. You want to eat like six or seven more, don't you? It tastes good for the moment, but it has absolutely no nutritional value. Now, don't feel guilty about eating donuts. I eat them all the time, okay? But here's my point. That's exactly what religion is. See, if people just attend a service and they feel good, right? Worship is good. I'm not not talking about family. I'm talking about generally speaking. They go to a church service because they feel good. Message is good. Everybody's amening. Everybody is leaving the church feeling good but not committed. That's why Jesus said, you want to follow me? Give it all up, because that's what it takes. And if I were to sort of define what Jesus is trying to say here, he's not being an extremist. He's saying, you have to make me a priority. And that's what most Christians don't do. They don't make Jesus a priority. They'll give him a little time, but they don't make it a priority. That's why First of John 2, 3 and 6, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. 
This is how we know we are in him. Are you ready? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lives. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think many believers need to reread the New Testament several times. Because there's a lot of basic commands, okay, that are in the Bible that most Christians don't follow. But they're, they're simply there. Can I tell you something? The evidence of salvation is not just a person lifting up his hands to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, okay? Whoever says, I know him. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. It takes a little more than that. The evidence of salvation is that you follow through on the commands of Christ. That's why there's a difference between evidence and works. Evidence is a desire to learn about Christ and spiritually grow. Works? Well, works as well works. You can get rewarded for that, you know, in the judgment seat of Christ. But it has nothing to do with salvation. This is initiated by conviction, which starts with real repentance. So, to wrap this up, we have to ask ourselves, are we church strong? Say, are we church strong? I'm here to tell you that for God, there is nothing impossible for him. There's nothing impossible for him. And, you know, this is the true mission of the church to make sure that the love of God is so evident that it shines through and people take notice. I was contacted by a neighborhood friend of mine. Okay? And uh, when, I, when we moved back from Puerto Rico and moved back to Peekskill, okay, uh, when I, where I went to middle school, okay, I went to Peekskill Middle School. My next-door neighbor was, a, you know, we went to school together. And, you know, after I got saved, I used to witness to him all the time. I was only like 11 or 12 years old. But, man, I used to preach him, you know. wasn't sure how it was landing or if it was landing. But now watch this, guys. Forty years later, I get a text from him, okay? Matter of fact, and I just had lunch with him a couple of months ago. I get a text from him. And you know what he tells me in that text? He says, hey, Frank. you know, it's funny. His name is Frank, too. There's a lot of Franks around here, right? His name is Frank. My name is Frank. He says, hey, Frank, it's Frank, right? Of course, I knew who he was. And he says, man, I remember those conversations we had in the kitchen table in my house where you were telling me all this crazy stuff that's going to happen in the future. I can't believe it's happening now. I can't believe it's happening now. Okay. How many know that we still need to plant seeds? Can I hear an amen out there? You guys that are watching me, you know, be relentless right now in planting seeds because we need to be the church strong. Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The church is in desperate need of spiritual leadership today. And we all need to be a part of that, not just pastors. Okay, we all need to be a part of this. Believers that are not afraid to stand up and defend the causes of the gospel to inspire courage to the body of Christ, especially during these challenging times. This is why we need to be church strong. And I leave you with this question. Will you accept the challenge to be one of those spiritual leaders that will help build the church so that we can be church strong? Amen. Let's pray.